Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. This is the post-game show. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me tonight, the one and only JP Zapata. I got to do it again. Woo! You know, I've always said, I've always said while it is, it's the consensus Mm -hmm. that everybody hates the shootout, JP. Yeah. I think it was especially true here because the Flyers are... By far, historically, since what oh five oh six, whatever the first year was, the worst team at shootouts, mm-hmm. and it's not not particularly close. No. Now they win them regularly, <laughs> and I think I might be able to convert some people to my way of thinking that the shootout is a great way to end games uh, because they can actually win them now. Yeah, that was a ton of fun, uh, but. We're going to talk about a ton of fun. I want to start tonight. We're going to get to the game. Yeah. Great time. Shootout. Good stuff. Uh, first period. Sleepy as hell. But everyone seemed to wake up a little bit right. into the second. Uh, but the best time that was had tonight was by uh, all the PHLY fam yeah. for the takeover at the Wells Fargo Center. That was, a, uh, that was a great event. Yeah. I had... Uh, lots of great stuff that went on. I had one of the best roast pork sandwiches I, I have ever had. That was really good. Upstairs at that uh, the back bar. I thought we were supposed to meet in the mezzanine level. Right. So I was like by the that like glass <laughs> bar, like uh, 5.58, like two minutes. I'm like, there's Bill's no. playing double for yeah. drinks over there. I'm like texting everyone. I'm like, where the hell is everybody? I'm just sitting here. like where. And it was upstairs in that bar behind right. the 200 section. I didn't know it was a thing. No, I. I remember going up there when it first opened, like took the okay. tour and stuff like me and Charlie and some people mm-hmm. like they're like, I'll oh, come out, see all the renovations. But it was a few years ago. I haven't been there in a while. Went up tonight. That is a great place to watch a game from. Yeah. I, I really, really dug what was going on up there. Uh, fun atmosphere. It's like you're at a sports bar, but you're at the freaking stadium. So uh, ha- hats off to everyone at the Wells Fargo Center Flyers yeah. organization. Great time. Everyone who planned tonight's event and. Most importantly, our uh, our listeners, our watchers, our fans, whether you're a diehard or not, you came out, uh, showed up for us tonight. We appreciate it. Was it was a lot of fun. We greatly appreciate it. That was really cool. But yeah. How did you uh, how did you like it, JP? I, it, was I, our, it was our first one. This is right. the inaugural PHL takeover, and it was for the Flyers. Absolutely. First of many, of course. I, I had a lot of fun. Had a couple drinks. Had a, that roast pork sandwich. I can attest. Oof. It was phenomenal as well. But, you know, even better was I told you as well, it brought me back to my child. Like, I know everyone likes to sit like, you know, right by the ice. You know, they want to be able to tap that, that glass and, and be right there, sit right behind the bench, the penalty box on But like sitting up there brings so much memories because growing up, you know, my dad was not throwing a lot of money to take me to a Flyers <laughs> game, let alone a sporting event. 
But sitting up there, it was it's it's a great sight because you could see kind of everything, and you're there with the real fans. You know, we had we did have a couple of Capitals fans by us. There were some Caps fans. Uh, both <laughs> both teams are like at a point. They're playing well right now. Right. They're winning games, but I don't think either franchise is like where they were in 2008 when they met in the playoffs, and it was like such a fun freaking series. Oh, yeah. uh, like I don't think we're there anymore. So the the contentiousness. Like I went up to a dude in a in a Bondra uh, like a Peter Bondra jersey i was like way to go bro (laughs) you're clear like you're you've clearly stuck with it you are not not an ov fan you're you're not just someone who jumped on the bandwagon when ov started scoring 60 a year so uh but it was a lot more of like the mutual just hey we're here to enjoy a game than it was the back and forth and i said like when i went to the penguins game a couple of weeks ago okay it was both fan bases were kind of just going through the motions. Like, what am I going to taunt you? Like, <laughs> and it was just like, we'd see each other and be like, whatever. But tonight it was, it turned into a fun game after a For really, sure. really slow start. But I want to start at the end okay. with the shootout. And uh, so Samuel Harrison gets the start tonight. Surprised me. I didn't know till I showed up and Charlie was like, oh yeah, Carter Hart's sick. He's not in. I was like, oh, did not, did not see that while I was on my way over here. So, all right. If this game goes to a shootout, Flyers have a pretty good chance. Like, just joking with him because he has not allowed a goal yet in a shootout. I know. Made two of three stops tonight in the uh, in the little skills competition there. And honestly... Tough to stop Oshie, man. It's TJ. Like, does that even count? <laughs> like, it's TJ Oshie who single-handedly won one of these in the Olympics. I mean, yeah. Sochi was a long time ago, but... When he retires, that's the one thing everyone's going to talk about is that, that Olympics, man. Uh, that was... As far as I'm concerned, the best, the best American Olympic moment, like hockey wise, I, I wasn't alive for 80. Like that's the <laughs> best one I can remember, you know? So like, I'll always respect TJ Oshie for that. And he's a really, he's a fun player to watch, For sure, uh, but he nets one tonight, but that's it. Arison stopped the other two. Stone cold, man. And it just, he's really good at this. And that, that's very, very fun. Now Carter Hart is having a great season. He's kind of solidifying himself. For the first time that there is legitimate competition, it's right. he's still the starter. He's still right. the one. But they actually have somebody behind him with some upside. Yeah. Like, it's not 40-year-old Brian Elliott. I was going to say, yeah, like, it's not starts Felix, here and there. It's not Felix Sandstrom who they're horrified to put in a game unless right. they absolutely have to, like a back-to-back or something. It's a guy who can actually play and they believe might have number one goalie upside. Mm-hmm. And... I think they're kind of pushing each other a little bit, and we're starting like to see some it. really good goaltending. I, I I do like that. I really do because listen, Carter Hart, you had some great couple of seasons to start off your career, but man, like we are in a spot right now where obviously everyone knows we're in a rebuild. No one's job is safe, and I feel like Carter Hart, even though he what he's done in the, with the first couple of years, that doesn't mean anything. So I love Urson pushing him, and Urson clearly shows that he he wants some play, he's starting playing time as well. So you love seeing those young guys kind of push each other. You know, we've talked about it before. We don't know what the plan is at that position, and you know, obviously the Hakanis stuff is in, in the, up in the air as well. But you love having the ability of being able to interchange Carter Hart and Sam Urson. We'll see what goes bowed with both of these goalies uh we will yeah so felix sandstrom actually was the backup tonight so right. uh they it wasn't as if they even had the uh the option to go to heart like all right we just need you so it was, was all it was kind of all on airson tonight and he i'm really really happy to see his bounce back performance stops 27 to 30 stops two or three in the shootout and i thought he was pretty good in nashville they didn't give up a ton of shots so his numbers didn't look great i thought he was good in nashville but Obviously, the goal they lose on, yeah. like he needs to squeeze that, and he he took full responsibility for it. It's not mm-hmm. like he thought, oh well, my team. No, he knows. Like he stopped it. Yeah. He needs to squeeze it. That puck needs to be frozen, and they lose on a second effort play. I like how he was able to bounce back tonight and just like didn't bother him. That you need that. I always think like the starting pitcher. And the uh, or even relief pitcher, any pitcher and the goaltender have so much in common. Like like the last shot doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the next shot. Yeah. And I think we kind of saw that at Arison tonight. And he handles adversity very well. Like you'll have those games where really rough start to the season is bounced back. And and he does it every single time. And that kind of makes you feel confident about him going forward. I mean, listen, now it's like, okay, Arison's in. Cool. Carter Hartson, cool. You don't really have a preference now. That's that's kind of how I am at this point. But we got to uh we have to talk about 
the goals that were scored in the shootout as well because they were pretty sick. Uh, and <laughs> Sean Couturier goes up, just nice. lines one up. It looked like maybe he was setting up the move that he's used, you know, in the shootouts this year and on his penalty shot. Uh, but he doesn't, and he just rips a snapshot, and they pointed out on the broadcast, really interesting strategy because uh, Charlie Lindgren is a uh, he's a wrong-handed goalie. He, he's, mm. he's a lefty, so he catches with the opposite side, and so his move where he turns around and goes blocker side, well, that ain't going to work because he's just going to snag it. So he kind of comes in slow. It's like, is he really going to try the turn? And no, and he just rips a snap. That was oh, a lot man. of fun. He's so much fun to watch in those. And then uh, Tyson Forster goes up. Lindgren, super aggressive, comes out with the poke check. It's like, all right, he took a risk, and it paid off. I'll take it. Had the same strategy with Bobby Brink. Bobby and Brink, Brink was so, like that is I know it's the shootout. Like it's not it's not the game. Like right. very little uh, like if the TJ Oshie would be thought of as the best player in hockey. If the shootout <laughs> was like the success there translated right. to success at five on five, you know, uh, but I, I just love the even though he's a rookie veteran mentality of he watched what the goalie just did. And he kind of baited him Seriously, into it. Man. He was like, if I go in slow, he's going to try that shit again. And he just walked around him and looked like DJ Oshie. Like, that <laughs> was absolutely beautiful. By almost a second, Ooh, I thought, oh, uh, my God. <laughs> he had it, and it was there, and it was just like he's corralling it. And I'm like, go, go. And he finally tapped it in, and it was absolutely beautiful, though. And then Arison on uh, Anthony Mantha shuts the door. Flyers win. That was... A really, really fun shootout. Like that is that's the height of what that thing can be. Now, the other night we saw one. There were uh, I forget what two teams were playing. I think it was the Penguins and someone. We just saw it go twelve rounds and nobody scored. It's like, <laughs> oh, imagine. I, I will say it's it's very ironic. I suppose that we say the thing that the Flyers are missing is high end talent. And you would think, like, the place it would show itself is a skills competition like the shootout. Right. Well, they're actually good at this now. Like, they had Giroux and Voracek forever, couldn't win one of these things. <laughs> and now they have no one of that talent level. And they win them consistently. This makes no sense, man. It, it literally makes no sense. But, like, look, so, like, if you look at tonight, obviously, Urson was stone cold in, in that. But then Coots, you know Coots is going to deliver those situations. Tyson and Bobby, obviously, are the wild cards. But like you just mentioned, you just love hearing the youngster, Bobby Brink. I was about to call him Bobby Clark. Bobby Brink, <laughs> learning from what Tyson Forster just did in that play. And then he, he found a way to score the goal there. And so, yes, we may not have that upper echelon talent just yet, but we're developing. And we still have some of that veteran talent as well. And that's what you're seeing here. And that's what you saw here tonight, especially in the shootout. I think it speaks to something that they have been building uh, just in terms of we always hear like he's not the most skilled. He's not the fastest skater. We love his hockey IQ, though. Mm. And it's always I, I wonder how you can quantify hockey IQ. Right. Like guy makes good play. Oh, he's a genius. <laughs> guy makes bad play. Oh, he's a dummy. He's he's great. But no hockey IQ, you know, and I always just like you can in Sean Couturier, a guy. Yes, you can obviously sure. see it. He's not fast, but he's always in the right place. Always makes the right play. That fundamentally sound kind of guy. But someone like Bobby Brink with a high ceiling in terms of skill, you just see like, okay, he knows, he sees what's going on out there and kind of diagnosed it. I just, that was my takeaway from the shootout yeah. other than like, Erson's really good. Yeah. And, and, and on the Coots point too, man, the toughness too, was it Tom Wilson banging his knee, man? Yeah, and that was hurting it, for a little bit. He was hurting and they showed on the broadcast, like he was, he was in some pain on the bench and this is a guy like, Tough mother he's him, played through a lot of stuff. You know, he started his career getting, cross-checked to death by Evgeny Malkin. He's that old-school, don't-sell-it kind of hockey player. Like, yeah, you can you could knock me out, but, like, I'm not going to show you I'm in any pain. You know, like Chase Utley getting hit with a pitch. It's like, uh, he, he might have broken there. his arm there, and uh, he's not even shaking it off. And, like, that's kind of who Couturier is. And he was in some pain on the yeah, ice, man. but came back out for a couple of shifts, and no worse for the wear. He is a tough, tough dude. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw, obviously, he's been out for the last year because of the back injury that he had and being able to come back. And he's part of the big reason why the Flyers are in a spot that they're in, man. He's playing close to the level that he was at before he got injured. And the, this Flyers team has fallen suit as well. And he's, obviously, he's one of the best two-way centers, too. And you see it on a night-to-night -night basis, man.
Absolutely. Uh, I want to take a second to tell you about one of our newest partners here at PHLY, and it is Rocket Money. Uh, and if you're anything like me, like over the past <laughs> few years, you've just been like, I'm signing up for every subscription, like every streaming service, everything. And sometimes you might not even realize, like my wife and I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, just realized, oh, do we both have Apple TV? <laughs> Like, do we both watch this together? Like, and it's those sorts of things. Like they add up. Yeah. I go, it's a couple of bucks here, a couple of bucks there. But you know, all of a sudden that's like the cost of dinner, you know, on, uh, like on all your different subscription services, rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills. I can see all my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with just one tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service, and we all know how, how that is. There's a lot of subscription services out there where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's real easy to sign up. Just go ahead, and you can cancel anytime. And then, well, you, to cancel, you got to call us and wait on hold, and then we'll transfer you for you. And then, ah, oh, sorry, your call dropped, and he called back. Rocket Money takes care of all that for you. Uh, they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with, ov with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That was, <laughs> I did not. I did not read this ahead of time. <laughs> I was, oh, okay. So I say, oh, a third time. I was not One expecting the third line to be the same thing, but there it was. Uh, but they are a useful. It, it, Could use that in am, college there, Bill, huh? I am absolutely horrible with like managing my money. If I was if I didn't get married, I'd be living under a bridge. Like, so like something like this, where it's like, I, I don't know, I just sign up for stuff and he was like, hey, what is this? Like she doesn't have to worry about my nonsense. We can go through rocket money. So I, I, I think I uh, you, well well speaking of uh money here and throwing money around, it looks like from our chat here, it looks like we need to get Bobby Brink jerseys. Everyone's hot on Bobby Brink today. It's really He's, we watched him, they take him in the second round of a very controversial draft because uh, we all remember, and my God, the, uh, <laughs> we had our, we had our BSH draft party at Fieldhouse uh, back when nice. that was still opened in, and we're all just, they're taking Cole Caulfield. Like this is it. They're finally going after the young goal scorer, the young skilled guy, a little undersized, but we think he could be a star go up there. It's like from the U S national development program. We're like, they're doing it. And then it's cam York and cam York might end up being a top pair defenseman might end up being a really, at least useful top four defenseman, whatever it is. That was very disappointing. And then the next day they come back in the second round and take Bobby Brink. And we all are like the sell job is they might have done both. Like they might've got this undersized skilled guy and the defenseman they needed with uh, without like taking Cole and then having to search for a defenseman in the second round. All right, Cole Caulfield comes in a couple of years ago. He's scoring goals. All right, when when are we gonna see this Brink? You know, three years at University of Denver uh, was very productive there right. throughout his career, and we've just been waiting. Now it's like one of our first, one of the first guys of the next wave. Like we all remember waiting for Sanheim, for Gostisbehere, for Provorov, for Konechny. And there's been a lull since then. Like, right. okay, you know, some guys come up, but they're like Tanner Lazinski. Even if you like him, you're not excited about right. him. Bobby Brink is someone to be excited by. And he gets the, he scores the goal tonight to uh, tie the game early in the third period. Yeah. Uh, they give up the lead, but then I'll get it back uh, or at least tie it again before they win the shootout. But I am, very excited to see where Bobby Brink goes from here. Like, is that is he someone you're really focused in on as could be part of this in the future? I mean, I'm looking at him, and I'm also looking at the guy who shot second, too, and Tyson Forrester, and it's because, like, Torts has a lot of trust in him, and Torts has been giving him a lot of play as well. And 
And there's times where you're seeing that skill as well, but the, the goals are just not falling in as much. He w- went on that little streak. It was like a week or two ago. But, no, I mean, Bobby Tyson, we're trying to find more of these type of players that we can just continue building around because, obviously, Gauthier and, and Mitchkov are be coming around the corner too. So you want to continue pairing those two with some more younger players. And so Bobby Brink, Tyson Forrester, keep keep at it. Torts, keep playing them as well as much as you can. I think that is a huge part, uh, like – John Tortorella is going to have a lot of say in this thing. And we all know if you get in Torts' doghouse, it could be a rough ride for you. Bobby Brink, awesome preseason, starts out the year. He's putting up points. Wow, this is great. Then he goes into a bit of a lull. Mm -hmm. It's okay, let's see how they stick with him. But they keep playing him. They keep believing in his overall game. It's not just about the point scoring, but obviously, like if he's going to stick and be a difference maker, it's because he produces points. But... It goes through that lull, and okay, these are the uh, these are the ups and downs of a of a rookie. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to be consistent as a rookie. Connor Bedard isn't consistent. He's pretty damn close, but you know, <laughs> he's also a superstar coming right. into the league. They stuck with him, and I, that game in Colorado was a real like jolt for him. Goes back to where he played his uh, where he played his college hockey. Plays a great game. Okay, he's coming back around. Let's see if it springs springboards him into like another good stretch of hockey, and it has. Uh, so I, I give for all the flack we give John Tortorella about things like, you know, maybe the usage of Joel Farabee, which I want to ask Charlie about a little right. later. Things like that. When he sees something in a guy, even if it's all right, he's not producing. He sticks with them, and that's what we're seeing with Brink, and I think that's huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look at DJS Bobby or. Brink. It's truly I, <laughs> I, I feel like I did know it was his middle name, <laughs> but when they mentioned it, uh, like at the beginning of the season, I, it must have been Butchergrass on like a national broadcast. I was like, his name is Bobby Orr Brink. That's insane. And his dad was just a huge Bobby Orr fan. Which I mean, who wasn't? <laughs> Dude, one way. of the greatest of good all time. Out DJS. Bobby's yeah. a good hockey name. I feel like it is. No, Bobby good... goes with anything. Bobby. Well, because, <laughs> oh, Bobby hockey ain't bad. It's. I mean. We couldn't get Johnny hockey, so couldn't might get as Johnny. well screw it. That's, I wonder, like, Johnny, he did, uh, his agent did, um, right when, uh, Christ, who's Johnny Football? Who was it? Uh, Johnny Browns? Manziel. Manziel. When yeah. he trademarked Johnny Football, uh, Goudreau's agent trademarked Johnny Hockey. I wonder if Bobby Hockey's available. Uh, but I do want to go back, <laughs> I do want to go back to the start of this game. Okay. Because it did finish excitingly like there was action in the second half of this game specifically the third period that first though halfway through this game 30 minutes into this game shots were 11 9 that is that's not low event hockey that is no event hockey right (laughs) that is snooze fest especially considering there were like two power plays a piece And still, like, nobody was getting shots through. And, like, both goalies were looking pretty good. And it's two teams that are committed to playing some defense. But I was like, oh, this is just... Of course, we're having our, you know, our takeover event. Right. We have all the fans here. It's like, And I'm going to the bar. This is... You know when is a good time for a piss break? Anytime. <laughs> you know? Like, nothing is happening in this game. It was and I'll, I'll give it to the Flyers because we always we always hear that. The toughest part of coming, uh, the toughest part of a road trip, especially a successful one, is your first game back. Mm. And they, they take five out of six points on the road. They come back home and you kind of exhale a little bit. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, we're back. Okay. And then you, you might throw in a clunker. And they were on their way to that right. tonight. E- very much like it was even. It wasn't like they were getting killed, but they just didn't look good. And they're able to like summon something to get going and then uh, tie the game up twice in the third period and then eventually win in the shootout. I think that says a lot about this team's resilience. I agree. I 100% agree. And I don't know what to expect from this game in particular because the Caps have been a team that's been like, you know, floating around like two, three, four, five in the Metro. And it's obviously an older team. Like they're still holding on to that those teams from the 2010s. And so like you go into this game, one thing we do know is that the Flyers, when they're working their ass off, they will typically win. And with an older team, you do like your chances in there. I was expecting a little bit more fireworks to start off this game. But I, you mean you said I think the, we ended the first period with 7-3 on shots. We had like three Washington at seven. No team had like a real good shot at goal in particular. We were sitting there watching at one point like early in the second. And you're like. 
has there been one dangerous chance? I was like, I, if it was, it's when I blinked or something. Like, I don't know. Did I pass out for like five seconds? Maybe, but I didn't see one. It was just a, it was a slot. Right. Both teams were in this and like part of me kind of gets it. It's they start out with the, uh, the flyers home. They've started with the fourth line a lot this season, but Like they come out, it's, you know, Tom Wilson on the other side. You start out with the Delorier Hathaway line. You think divisional matchup, these two teams playing better than you'd expect. There might be a little animosity. And it was not a physical first period at all, despite all of that. I said too, I was like, wait, Tort's going out with the fourth line for this one? Yeah, and it was just, I, I just didn't. I was feeling nothing about it. I was like, oh, they are losing this game. Like, And listen, they haven't had many clunkers this year. Right. So when they do come out a little flat, it's like they work their asses off most nights. Sometimes you just don't have that extra gear. But they found it tonight. And that's just another little thing that I see in this team that's so much different from years past. Just because things don't go their way or don't go their way from the start, they don't have the start they want, they're trailing. Now, tonight was the first time they won a game trailing going into the third, so good for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you just don't believe they're out. And that's not something you can say about this team the last few years. How many times there was those avalanche effects, those Rangers games where one, two, three goal by Zibanejad, and now it's nine-nothing. It's nine-nothing, yeah. They're going on a 10-game losing streak. And now, like, when things are hitting the wall, or or the fan, I should say, the Flyers know how to just bounce right back up and fight. And that's been the main difference. I don't know if it's just so much towards this kind of, you know, change of culture on, like, a lot of... We've, we've had a lot of players come and go over the past couple of years, too. Now, towards seems like he has the group of guys he wants to work with in that locker room. But this team, they, they, they fight through adversity every single night. They do. And I think that's a great point of just, like, they don't have the... Uh, they don't let things snowball the right. way they have over the last couple of years. You don't have to worry about, you know, Hayes getting benched or, you yeah. know, the, the Provery con- controversy towards another deal with that. Now it's just you go out there, you work your ass off, and let's go win some hockey games. And speaking, speaking of guys who work their asses off, we are joined now hey. by Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is the one and only Charlie O'Connor. How you doing tonight, Charlie? Hey, doing okay, guys. I mean, it's a fun end to the game i'll say that third period <laughs> oh, yeah. in overtime and the shootout were fun no that's i and you know i i could criticize them for the start to tonight's game and there's a couple things i want to ask you about that but like the resiliency of this team we hear a lot i just was talking about this with jp the toughest part of a road trip sometimes can is even especially a successful one is you come back home and you kind of exhale and you don't have it. Maybe that's what happened to start tonight, but like both, it, it, neither team really had it. 30 minutes into this game, shots were 11 9. Uh, it was a low event game. But then to take it up another level and find that gear, was that something they talked about tonight after the game, either in the locker room or the coach? Yeah, well, I think, you know, John Corell made it very clear after the game that he thought the team was flat. And he said it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that they weren't trying. It was just that sometimes you just don't have it. And the Flyers, for a lot of this game, just didn't have it. It makes sense. They're coming back from a long road trip. Um, I mean, I was on the entire road trip. It tires you out. And, and maybe not physically tired, but definitely mentally tired. You just drained. And I think that they were a bit drained. But what Tortorella said is that he gave them a lot of credit for the fact they just kept playing. You know, they, they maybe didn't have their A game. They maybe didn't have their B game. But they just kept playing. They kept skating. And uh, and then ultimately in the third period, you saw what looked like energy. But maybe it was just the fact that they just kept working. And, and maybe it wasn't even that their energy got better. Maybe the Caps lagged a little bit and the Flyers just kept playing. They kept skating. They kept doing what they were supposed to do. And then suddenly, you know, they, they tie it once. They they give up what could have been the game-winning goal on what was really just a fluke. I mean, that was an extremely fluky goal. Nothing that Sam Harrison could have done. And then they tie it a second time. And you got to give them credit. You know, they, they, they pushed through. This was a game that almost every other Flyers team over the last 10 years would probably have lost 3-1. And we would have just, you know, called it a night and said, yeah, they just didn't have it, whatever. But these guys kept pushing, and they, they found a way. Charlie, real quick, I want to talk about the star of the night. Um, this comment section is raving about Bobby Brink here tonight as well. Great uh, sh- goal in the shootout as well. About a sample size of 24 games so far. You know, just assess, you know, what you see from Bobby Brink so far this year when we're heading with him. 
I think he just looks like he's going to be a good player. I, I don't know if I see greatness in Bobby Brink, but I think he can be a, you know, a 50, 60 point guy who can be an offense generator for the team. I was actually having a conversation with someone in our discord. Um, I think it was today. It was either today or yesterday. The, the days are kind of bleeding together at this point for me, <laughs> but it was about the idea of the flyers needing playmakers. And I agree. I think they, they could use some high end playmakers, especially shows in the power play. Uh, but the person said, you know, really the only two guys that I think, you know, really fit as playmakers on this particular team, you know, in terms of the uh, the four core are, are Frost and Brink. And, and I said, I actually felt like they both had really good games, but I actually think Brink's form of playmaking is going to be better in the end than, than Frost's form of playmaking. I just think Brink seems to be better in traffic. He seems to have, you know, a bit better anticipation you know, Frost playmaking is a little bit more flashy, but I feel like Brink, he, he just he just seems like a guy who he doesn't get rattled. He's calm even when he's under pressure. And I'm not talking about pressure in the sense of like two minutes left in the game. I'm talking about when there are checkers on him. He just seems to, to make plays. He made that one really good play on the road trip where he was surrounded by three guys and threads the needle across the crease to, uh, to Joel Farabee. You know, those are the kind of plays, those are the kind of passing sequences that translate to the NHL. And I think Brink just has it. And I'm not, look, I'm not expecting Bobby Brink to be a superstar, but but I do think that he very much looks like a guy who you can count on to, to score. And I'm not saying again, score goals, I'm saying produce points, but you know to score a fair amount of points and, and be a, a real positive contributor to the offense for years to come. While we're talking about Bobby Brink, the uh, just something I saw in that shootout was you know, Tyson Forster goes up and he comes in methodically and Lindgren just comes out aggressive, pokes it away. And we've heard so much about Brink's hockey IQ. Like, yes, he has skill. Yes, like he's better in the corners than you think for a guy of his size. But it's that hockey IQ that really makes him stand out and might make him an above average playmaker despite being a second round pick. When I see Forster, when I see Lindgren make that play on Forster and then Brink come out and kind of almost it looked like bait Lindgren into the same thing and then step around him, like anticipating it and score the game winner uh, in the shootout. Like, is that a play in which you go, oh, there's that hockey IQ they talk about? Because that's what I saw. Well, it's, it's funny, actually. There was a big topic of conversation in the locker room after the game of Brink's shootout. I guess it was the shootout winner. But I asked Brink if, you know, he thought, that okay well he did that against Forrester maybe he'll do it against me and Brink said honestly I didn't think there was a chance he was going to do the exact same thing I was ah, surprised well, however and this is the funny part apparently in in practice when they practice shootouts when they do one-on-ones Sam Erickson does that to Brink all the time in terms of aggressively challenging him and going for the poke check and Brink basically said that because he's seen it so much and because he gets so frustrated when when Erickson does it that he was able to spot the tell from Lindgren that he was going to do the poke check. And that's what told him I have to make that move because he's doing what Eris does to me and always beats me in practice on that move. And that's why he was able to avoid it. He said he, he didn't expect him to try to do the same thing he did against Forrester, but it was it was Erickson and, and what he does against him in practice that really allowed him to, uh, to pick that up quick enough to get around him. That's outstanding. Uh, I just... I guess while I just want to follow up now with the uh, with the shootout, do you find it as deliciously ironic as I do that for years, while Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek were on this team, they could not buy a shootout win. If they somehow fixed the game, they would still not have been able to win a shootout. And now a team that everyone, including the, the general manager, says we don't have high-end talent they win skills competitions regularly. Like, do you find that as funny as I do? Because I think it's hilarious. It is funny. I do think there might be an element here where finally, after what, like 15, 16 years, maybe more of it, that maybe finally regression, regression is coming to the Flyers <laughs> in the shootout. They are finally getting some good luck. I also think, though, and I think this is very real, 
I think Sam Harrison is a really good shootout goal. I think that he has a skill. And I I think that, you know, one thing that I think somebody tweeted this to me a few times ago, a few times ago when, when Harrison had won a shootout was, are we getting into a, uh, a Goldberg, Julie the Cat Gaffney situation where even <laughs> if Carter Hart plays the game, <laughs> that you bring Harrison in cold to face the, the top scorer in the tournament, Gunnar Stahl. Like that, that, that's when you know. But I do think that Harrison is a legitimately good shootout goalie. He might. I don't think he's a better goalie than Carter Hart. He might be a better shootout goalie than Carter Hart. And that, like, that makes sense. Just the kind of goalies they are. Like, he's the dude who's going to have the quick reactions, and he might not be the most fundamentally sound. But when you deke him, if your name isn't TJ Oshie, and it's like, honestly, I don't even want to mark that against his perfect shootout record. Yeah, like TJ Oshie doesn't <laughs> count. He's he's a yeah. cheat code. You know, sure. like the kind of goalie Airson is. It's it. It makes sense, but I got that question as well about could we ever maybe switch out the goalies? That is a great way to watch Samuel Erson be out for six to eight weeks with a torn drawing. Like <laughs> yeah, that right. is an awesome way to get the backup goalie hurt. And I don't Carter know if, have if, to it play was, a home if it was good enough for Gordon Bombay, though. You know, come on, this is the Minnesota Miracle Man. <laughs> Minnesota Miracle Man, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, Charlie, I noticed uh, just. An increased responsibility for Risto running running the point on second power play unit, and then he started in overtime as well. Just kind of your thoughts, and are we going to see some more of that going forward with Risto? Well, they're giving him a shot on the power play. I don't think Got he's it. looked partic- <laughs> I don't think he's looked particularly good on the power play. That said, I don't think anyone on defense has looked particularly good on the power play. You know, they try. Somebody tweeted at me in the intermission and said, "Well, I like Sean Walker there better," and it's like fair, but they tried Walker there and he didn't look good either. Stanheim has been off. You know, he's been on and off that power play. I don't think he's looked particularly great. Cam York has probably shown the most potential of any of the defensemen on that power play, but even he hasn't been great. So they don't really have a lot of good options and i think the same thing sort of goes for the uh goes for three on three too like you're not going to put mark stall out there at three on three cam york sure travis stanheim definitely but it's not like they have you know a kale mccarr something like they have a shane goss there who they can throw out there so you're kind of stuck and look risto isn't an amazing skater but he's a decent skater for his size he had some puck skills so i get it you know you don't have a ton of options like you're gonna throw nick sealer out there like like what are we doing this just it's just serves as a reminder that the team doesn't have you know super high-end skill and we know that we, we know they don't have high-end skill up and down the lineup but they're finding ways and they found a way tonight that's i will say with uh with Risto at the point on the power play, no, it's not like he's looking special up there or anything, but considering what we've seen out of everybody else, he's got experience on a power play. He has a big shot. He's more skilled than I think people might give him credit for, which I mean, he gets zero credit, so low bar, (laughs) but like he might be the best option right now. Like, do you see that? We talked about the idea of developing development in game versus trying to win a game. Like, yeah, maybe Cam York given the whole season could become the better option. But if they're trying to win right now and score a power play goal, just like one every now and then maybe Risto is the best option. I don't think he's, he's, Personally, I do not think he's the best option, but I don't think the gap is so large that it's something that I'm going to get angry about. Like, they look, they want Cam York on the power play, and they should have Cam York on the power play. Travis Sanheim, I think, is a better power play option than Rasmus Line. And however, I understand where they're coming from and that they want to cut back on Sanheim's minutes a little bit. And that's an easy way to cut back on his minutes because he's actually a pretty good penalty killer. He's obviously been really good at five on five most of the year. So cut cut them back on the power play because even if I think Sanheim is a bit better than Ristolainen and on the power play, he's obviously significantly more mobile. I actually think he has a comparable shot. I know Risto, we can hear about the big shot. Travis Sanheim cracks a hundred. I mean, he's gotten stronger over the summer, and I think now he's he's added to the velocity on that shot. So I think he's a bit better. But I don't think he's so much better that it's ridiculous that they're using Risto there, especially given the fact that they've told us the reason why they're pulling back on Travis Sanheim's minutes is because his five-on-five plays dipped a little bit. They think he might be a little gassed. They just kind of want to get him to the Christmas break. So to me, look, I don't love having Risto there. But again, I don't think they have a lot of great options on the power play. This is part of the reason why the power play is so bad. Um, While we're talking about the power play, the fourth forward on power play one 
with TK, Coots, and Forster, which is their top line, the fourth forward out there is Morgan Frost. Um, Joel Farabee has three goals and one assist in his last four games. He is a better player than Morgan Frost. Is this like concerning the lack of responsibility that they've given Farabee, whether it's you made the point a couple of games ago about they're not playing him enough. Maybe he's getting like third line minutes. Uh, He's not getting power play time. Like what's going on with the Joel Farabee usage? Well, I guess what I'll say, number one is, look, I, I do. I think Joel Farabee is a better player than Morgan Frost. Yes. But I do not think that if I was going to put Joel Farabee on the power play, Morgan Frost would not, would not be the guy I take off the power play. It would probably be Scott Lawton, who is really not an offensive player. And in truth, while I understand why they're keeping him on it, because they want to use this as a way to get him going, like Joel Farabee, I would absolutely put him on the power play over Cam Atkinson too. the Cam Atkinson we've gotten over the last two, three weeks. So I don't really have a problem with Frost being on the power play. If I was going to bring Farabee on, I'd probably put him in place of one of those two guys. That said, we, we did push towards a bit on the uh, on the Farabee thing after the game tonight, and he essentially said, "Look, like Joel's not on not on special teams. I'm sure Joel would like to be on special teams. He kind of implied that at some point he will get him on special teams. I think it should be next game. I, I I'm not expecting that, but I think it should be." Um, but he said the thing with Farabee is that he doesn't, you know, even though I'm sure he wants more ice time, he doesn't complain. He doesn't pout. He just goes out there and does what he should be doing with the minutes he's getting. And I think Farabee's been really good at five on five this year. He's he's long been a good scorer at five on five. Like his rate stats is five on five uh, points per six. He has, has long been really good. It's more been the underlying numbers, you know, the play driving, the expected goals, the four share, the four C four share. That's been the weak point of his play this year. He's driving play as well as scoring a five on five. So he's really taking advantage of those minutes. To me, I'd want to get Joel Farabee as many minutes as possible. I, if I were them, I'd flip flop him in Atkinson. I'd say, look, Cam, like, we want to get you going, but you're not really helping the team all that much right now. And Joel is. So instead of giving you 18 minutes a night, we're going to give Joel 18 minutes a night and you can try to get going with 15. That's what I would do personally. But clearly they want to try to get Cam Agatha going. Obviously he has a long standing relationship with Tortorella. And maybe the thing with Joel Farabee is he's just got to, he's got to do a little bit more to earn it. Do I, do I love that? No, but it's also hard for me to nitpick the overarching coaching strategy in terms of win losses when they just keep winning. So yeah, I think Joel Farabee should get more ice time. I would hope that in the near future he will, but what they're doing is working and Joel Farabee is producing very well in his minutes. So I would hope that this problem solves itself over the long term. but I agree. I think Joel Farabee should play more. Charlie, I was pretty excited for this matchup, seeing the Capitals here tonight. Um, I was expecting not like a shootout here, but a more entertaining game. And, you know, I, I was telling Bill here, you know, Torts putting the fourth line to start out this game. And then we kind of got a little bit of a snooze fest there in that first period, Charlie. Yeah, I think honestly, this it, it says more about the Capitals than it does the Flyers. Okay. The, the Capitals are not the high flying team they used to be. You know, and tonight they didn't have Kuznetsov, he was injured. Nicholas Backstrom's career very well might be over. Alexander Ovechkin isn't scoring that much. You know, right now, so far this year, they've been living off of Charlie Lindgren, their goalie. He has a 930 save percentage. That's how they've been winning games. They've been playing more of a slow it down, grind it out style that doesn't really fit with our perception of what the Capitals are. But that hasn't been how they've been winning this year. And I think the Flyers, because they were flat, you know, kind of got dragged into the Capitals' ideal style of play a little bit in those first. 30, 40 minutes of the game. So I, I think it's, it has less to do with the Flyers and what they were doing and more has to do with the Capitals and what they've become as they've gotten less skilled. They've lost some of their really skilled players and some of their other skilled players, they're getting old. I mean, Alex Ovechkin, I, I, he, he's still an all-time great. He very well might end up breaking the goal record, but he looked old tonight. He didn't look that effective. And, you know, age comes for us all, right? It sure does, Charlie. Um Carter Hart, Utah, I didn't even realize till I got to the building tonight that Hart was out sick. Felix Sandstrom was the backup tonight. What is, uh, what's the matter with Carter Hart? Just undisclosed illness? Did we hear anything about it? Yeah, he's just sick. I, I mean, I'm not going to dig too yeah. deep into that two hours before of a game. Um, he does seem to get sick a lot. Um, 
don't know if he needs to be taking some uh, some better, uh, I don't know, supplements to, to keep his immune system working better. But I think this is like the third time so far this year he's been sick. Um, I don't know, maybe get him on some AG1, you know, hook, hook him up with that. Hey. I was just going to, I wish we had the AG1 read tonight. That would have been a perfect <laughs> setup for it. But unfortunately, we don't. Um, I just, uh, I'm watching this game tonight. And this isn't just a Flyers problem. I do, like watching the rest of the league and like listening to a lot of discourse, especially this week, the lack of physical other than hits from behind, which are just nonstop, uh, like just a kind of lack of physicality. When I see the caps come to town with Tom Wilson, when I see Tortorella start out with the heart, uh, Hathaway Delorier line, I'm expecting a bit of a bruising game. Now there are a bunch of power plays, but it was like a lot of stick penalties and stuff. Are the Flyers physical enough? Like, it is supposed to be their identity. That's why they have Hathaway, Delorier. It's why Lawton is still here. It's why Ristolainen is, you know, as highly thought of as he is. Do you think they need to be a little more physical? I know they're winning. It's just like, I don't know. It's supposed to be their identity. I mean, is it supposed to be their identity, or is that just what some fans want their identity still to be? I mean, they they out hit the Capitals tonight. Look, I, I think they have guys who can hit. You know, we've seen Garnet Hathaway have some really big hits. Obviously, they have Nick Delorier to play policeman enforcer. They have Rasmus Ristolainen. Like when I talked to Danny Briere last weekend, he said, you know, one of the reasons why we don't necessarily want to get rid of Risto is because he brings an element that we don't otherwise have on our defense. So I think it's less that the Flyers want to be a team that is constantly throwing their weight around, although I'm sure John Tortorella would love that. It's more that they want to have that element. And I think they feel like they have enough of that element given the direction the league has moved in where you just don't have those kind of games every game. You know, it's, it's not the way it used to be 20 years ago or even, even 10 years ago, you know, games aren't hit fest. You maybe have four or five big hits a game and that's a, that's a, a surprise. I think I, I feel like you're less railing as the Flyers and more railing as the NHL with that, with that statement, because the game's just changed. It's just not like the way it used to be. It's true. I am. Uh, I was <laughs> I was standing upstairs tonight for our, our takeover and I'm wearing an Ogie Oglethorpe jersey and I'm standing next to a guy in a Doug Glatt jersey and I'm like, ah, the game's passed us by, pal. <laughs> you know? we're, we're, we're resorting to enforcer jerseys from movies and not actual players in the NHL. Maybe I'm just looking for something that doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, there was another question I wanted to ask you, but I can't think of it. Do you have anything else yeah, before we get to Charlie, three stars? Obviously, like, like he alluded to, it was the PHLY Flyers takeover. How was your time tonight? I had a really good time. Um, you know, I was popping in and out. I popped in, obviously, for the uh, the, the hour before the game from six to seven. Saw quite a few of our uh, of our diehards. It was great to see. Thanks again to everyone for to, for coming out. And then I uh, popped back in um, after the first uh, first period. Um, chatted with uh, with Rob. Um, yeah, it was it was it was cool. It was cool to see people. Obviously, thanks again to everyone that came out. Um, saw saw one of our other friends, Anna. Um, met uh, Mandy, a few other people. Uh, Brendan was there. He's one of our active people in the Discord. So shout out to uh, to Brendan as well. Um, it was fun. It was fun, and uh, definitely looking forward to uh, the next time we can do it. Hell yeah, outstanding. And now, without further ado, it is time for Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. Charlie, hit me with star number three. All right, so star number three, I actually think he had a really strong game, ended up with two assists. I thought Morgan Frost played really well, um, and not just on the points. I thought he made a lot of um, legitimately really good plays. He had one really good setup on the power play to Tyson Forrester. Forrester couldn't quite get the handle on the puck, which allowed Lindgren to get set. But Frost made the kind of plays, the kinds of passes that I want to see him make if he's going to be potentially part of this in the future. I thought he had a strong game, so I'm putting him, uh, putting him number three. Morgan Frost comes in at number three. How about star number two? Number two, I will go with Bobby Brink. I think Bobby Brink. Um, it's funny, actually. John Tortorella said after the game, he, despite the goal that Brink scored um, in the second period, I believe it was, second or first, um, I guess it was the second, the beginning of the second. He didn't think Brink had all that great of a game, um, but then obviously he makes the big play in the shootout and you know, to score the game winner in the shootout, I thought was, uh, you know, 
Spacey bumped him from from three to two for me. Um, you you make that play, you get to be uh, high up on my free start. And that just leaves us with the first star of the game from Charlie O'Connor. Hit me with it. I'll go with the guy who got the uh, got the underdog mask after the game from the uh, from the boys in the locker room. I think Joel Farabee, especially in the third period, obviously scores that uh, that big goal. But also, just I thought he was everywhere. I thought he was dominant in the uh, in the third period when the Flyers needed him the most. And uh, and to me, he was the uh, the Flyers' best player on the whole. All right, thanks a lot, Charlie. You have anything else, JP? Charlie, you have yourself a great night. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, Mr. O'Connor. We will talk on Saturday for uh, we'll be back with post game again on Saturday for the uh, the Devils game. They are at they're in Newark. So I believe Charlie will be in studio for that one. So it's like the second time I've seen him in two weeks. I need my Charlie fix. I miss the guy. (laughs) Uh, But of course, Charlie O'Connor just joined us and his appearance tonight is brought to you. By game time, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Something I love about game time as well is the uh, the ability to see your seat before you purchase oh, it. Yeah. Like seeing the full price, not I got to make nine clicks and finally see the, what the price is going to be. And it's like, oh, the ticket price doubled. How about that? <laughs> cool. Thanks. No, that's not it with game time. They give you all the fees. They give you whatever up front. They tell you what the price is going to be. But the uh, the seat view, so you can actually see it. The we get, to, uh, we get to the takeover upstairs tonight. And at the upstairs bar, it was perfect for me. They had the SmackDown replay on. It was on oh, Fox yeah, or yeah. FS1. I was telling Charlie last time we were together on uh, December 26th, the day after Christmas, WWE is running a show at Madison Square Garden. I've never been to the garden except for the train station. Not uh, even so, for like Flyers Rangers? I've never been to Madison Square Garden, so I don't know what the seating arrangement is there. I'm going to buy a good seat. Like I want to go. My wife and I are going to take a little trip up to New York. Nice. And if there's time, jump in. Check out some wrestling at MSG. I'm unfamiliar with the layout. I get to see exactly where my seat's going to be. It's really, really great experience using the Game Time app. So snag the tickets without the stress of Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I don't have yeah. a whole lot else on this one other than it was a a really nice finish to a game that was like, ooh, this is not fun <laughs> like no. to start. And I, I credit the Flyers for continuing to work. It did look like the caps were kind of flat. And I saw some comments that are like, this is what the caps do. They're old as hell. They slow the game down to the lowest scoring team in the league. Like This is how they play. And the Flyers were able to overcome it and work to force overtime, get through overtime, don't give up a goal this time. Mm-hmm. Erson, like I said, bounces back from that goal he gave up in Nashville. Yep. He's good tonight, and then they win it in the shootout. I was just happy with the overall performance of this team. They continue to impress, as someone else in the comments just said. I guess that's what leads me... like. I keep saying it's the Flyers. <laughs> a 10-game losing streak could always start tomorrow. Oh God, like, they're always <laughs> right around the corner with this team. The more I watch them, the more I think they just... They won't allow themselves to fall into that trap of, like you said earlier, letting things... Letting, you know, the snowball fall, like the avalanche effect happen. Yeah. And... That's a great sign for the future, whether you are, you know, team tank and you actually hate that they're winning or you're liking what you're seeing now and you think, oh, playoff run wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. A little bit of experience, like the culture they're trying to build, I think they're doing it pretty damn well. Yeah. Yeah. And you're building the core right now. That's the important part. I mean, yeah, you have, you know, a a, a Coots, you know, I guess Sandheim now is a little bit more of a veteran player now, but like you have some guys here who've been there and done that, but you have these younger players, like we're talking tonight about Forrester, 
You know, it's funny. I, I thought we were going to go a whole episode without mentioning Forger Frost for a second, but we got it. We got it in there. I had to get it in there. Absolutely. There. But no. him, you throw him in there, Bobby Brink, of course. So that's what makes it so exciting. And it, I, Torts, I think he's, I, I know people are like so wishy-washy about Torts, but I think Torts is perfect for what we're trying to do because you're trying to build a culture. I mean, who builds it better than John Tortorella? I don't know if he'll be the coach when we're winning and we're making deep playoff runs. I don't know that. But I know for right now, He's exactly what this team needs, and it's all about getting yourself prepared because Gauthier and Mitchkov are going to be legit. So I'm excited. This was a good one for sure. I didn't understand the uh, Tortorella hire when it happened. Now, I predicted it. I was like, oh, it's probably going to be Tortorella, but I wouldn't rule out Tockett. I wanted Jim Montgomery, and look at what he's doing with the Bruins. Yeah, he's pretty damn good, Uh, but it was... It was a foregone conclusion in my mind. It was Torts or Tockett. And especially like going into this phase of the franchise they were in, I was like, I don't, I don't get this. Like, I don't yeah. get John Tortorella and what he does to players, like to build in like a culture in a rebuild, like young guys. But I I think we missed he's misrepresented because of his reputation and how he represents himself in the media. Mm -hmm. Like he likes to fuck with the reporters. It's, (laughs) it's a little game he plays because as media, listen, this can get tedious, especially like the last few years, a season like last season, yo man, game 54 sucks. Like I don't (laughs) care what happens in it. It's a grind. And he entertains himself. I bet a little bit, keeps the reporters on their toes. And I think because of that, we got a little bit of the wrong idea of who he is. And the more I hear from ex players of his heard a lot of, uh, former torts guys on other podcasts recently, whether it's Delzato on chicklets, uh, Dale Weiss on, I think it was nasty knuckles. I can't remember, but like there've been a few recently Mm -hmm. and, the difference between him and someone like Mike, the difference between Torts and someone like Mike Babcock, who's just a dickhead, <laughs> is Torts. Even though you might not get it, and like like Dale Weiss said, oh no, we've had I've gone into his office and we've had conversations that were just us screaming "fuck you" at each other. Like that, that's what he kind of likes that though, Torts. And once those players become veterans, they get what he was trying to impart on them, that's and he cares part. deeply about his players and. That seems pretty good for a rebuild. Yeah. Like I didn't get it at the time, and I'm still like, I don't know if he's perfect for this, but I can't argue with what I'm saying. And if this is the team that has no high-end talent and they're going to make the playoffs, they get a few of those dudes, and who knows what the ceiling is. So I got to give it to them. They did something I didn't understand. Yeah, and, and just keep in mind as well, like if you kind of look back at his hiring, I mean, who was calling the shots? You know, I don't want to say his name, but you know, Roger, you know, and so like you kind of wanted someone who was strong, who had a strong voice, and that is John Tortorella. And, and obviously we all saw how that worked out, and I, I think it's been working out pretty well for Torts and the Flyers. You know, what else is working out. It's FOCO for all of your holiday shopping. FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day, or even some uh, accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set, you've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. I just recently got a really nice... uh, eagles ornament for my christmas tree on foco it's football it shimmers it's really cool just a little thing that you can get from them it's foco exclusive you know it's love decorating love christmas this time of year and all that but sports and christmas kind of just go together i want to have some bird stuff up on my tree want to have some flyer stuff up on my tree and foco is the place to go for all of it they have they always have our back for philly sports and they have yours too. get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show and for all non-presale items use promo code phly10 that's promo code phly10 for 10 percent off shop at foco today I'm going to get the pajamas eventually. I, ju- I got to pull the trigger. I just haven't yet. Uh, but if you're listening, people at FOCO, hey. I don't know. I do these reads a lot. Maybe just send them to me. I'm just saying. All Bill, right. The uh, most important question of the night, okay. HC wants to know, when is PHLY going to do a wrestling show? Oh, man. This is something. It's funny you ask because I was just talking to one of our bosses, uh, Vince, about it tonight. He's been like, we've talked about it off and on. And um, one part of me really wants to do it. And the other part of me is like, 
I would like one hobby that isn't my job. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I got an offer to do something WrestleMania weekend from some other company. And like, I'm under contract here. I'm not taking other jobs. I'm fine. Uh, but I'm, like, I'm not even asking if I'm allowed to do something else for someone else. But uh, like, I, it, it would be cool and maybe we'll get to it eventually. But like with WrestleMania coming up, I don't want to tie myself into having to work. Like, I want to really, really enjoy that and not that. have to do a bunch of shit and have to be a bunch of places. I want to get drunk with my friends. So we'll see. Uh, I'm sure it'll happen eventually as we expand. We have more national shows coming up on PHLY. Uh, our college stuff is coming. Maybe that is the next thing we expand to. I don't know. I I have trouble, like taking on more responsibility i can barely do this and it's like talking about the flyers an hour a day uh, you know? <laughs> i i have an awesome job i gotta be honest with you Amen right, do, to that, brother. We, do we so thanks a lot for the question uh do you have anything else tonight jp no man it was a lot of fun let's keep beating up the caps let's keep on this point streak seven it's a seven games where we have at least a point i believe that is correct yeah, yeah. so they're hot right now they're hot again i thought maybe all right let's see if they go into another little lull they lose the last game of the road trip despite it being an overtime loss but no they come right back get a hard-fought win and i'm expecting this to keep get, that going i get to say it this is a hockey town let's go baby <laughs> Woo! all right that'll do it for us thank you all for listening thank you for hanging out if you haven't already you know what to do hit the subscribe button right here on youtube never miss a live show follow the podcast follow us on twitter at phly underscore flyers my name is bill Matz for jp for charlie have a great week philly let's go flyers You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network.